Enough said. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow nor turning. Do you understand the significance of that? Not only are good things coming down from heaven, every good and perfect gift coming from heaven, but he says there's no shadow nor turning. Indicative of he's always at the pinnacle of his ability and his desire to bestow those good gifts and those blessings upon us. To God be the glory. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. All we can do is receive it as we walk in relationship with him. All we can do is adore this king of kings and this Lord of lords. Uh, all we can do is just worship him. There's none like him. Never will be. He's one of a kind. He's the only true and living God. Many come claiming to be the Christ. Many come claiming to be a God. There's only one. Exodus chapter 4, turn in your Bibles if you would. Exodus chapter 4. We're going to talk about Moses a little bit. Moses one of them knotheads, kind of like many of us in this place. That, uh, he had to have some pretty intense encounters with God. We're going to start in chapter 4, but over in chapter 3, we see where God was telling Moses uh, what he was wanting to do. He was wanting to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, and out of bondage, out of slavery, and he was wanting to, wanting to take them to a land that flowed with milk and honey, this promised land. And he, he was telling him, I, I'm going to stretch out my hand and smite Egypt, and I'm going to show Pharaoh a bunch of my wonders, a bunch of my signs, and... and uh, when they leave, they're not going to go empty. They're going to take some stuff with them. And, oh, by the way, Moses, I want you to lead them. And we pick up in chapter 4 right after that in verse 1. It says, and Moses answered and he said, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. The Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Then he says, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said, furthermore unto him, put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass that if they will not believe thee, neither hearken unto the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. 
And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the, of the river and pour it upon dry land. And the water which thou pourest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto me, thy servant, but I am slow of speech and am slow of tongue. The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and will teach thee what thou shalt say. In verse 2, God asked a question. What is that in your hand? Moses clearly said, a rod. But tonight I want to ask you the question, what is in your hand? I want you to embrace the fact that maybe you have ran from it, maybe you've heard it, but God has gifted and given talents to every individual. Perhaps you've not discovered what yours is yet, but I promise you it's probably closer than my hand is to my face in front of you. Sometimes it's true that we do stand so close to the forest that we can't see the trees. But God has given you a gift. God has given you a talent. Maybe it's the gift of benevolence. Maybe you're a tremendous cook. And when called upon for those who are bereaving and mourning the death of a loved one, how you always seem to show up with food prepared in love and your God's hand extended that way. Perhaps you can sing or teach or preach or you have the ability to make money and fund the cause of the gospel or maybe you're a tremendous athlete that uses that platform for the glory of God. I think of Doug Peterson, the uh, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, who stood right here on this platform and shared his testimony with you, how they were, there was a move of God on that football team, and they were baptizing players in the locker room, and God took him in just a couple of short years and took him to the pinnacle of the National Football League and to win the Super Bowl this past year, all because it was a platform and a stage that God had placed him in to proclaim the love of God, not only to his players, but to stand with a, a world spotlight upon him to proclaim to the world that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it was the power of God unto salvation. I want you to understand something, that whatever your gifting is, whatever your talent is, don't hide it under a bushel. Let your light so shine before men that your Father which is in heaven may be glorified by your works and your love and your gift. Stir up that gift that is within you. Allow it to be used by God to bring the kingdom of God glory. Allow that gift because I want you to embrace something and it's your relevance to the body of Christ. The devil loves to make people feel insignificant, unworthy. He, makes, he wants to make people feel unqualified. He wants you to feel like 
People won't really miss you if you're not there. They will. What little bit you have to contribute in your mindset may not make a difference, but I want you to know little as much if God's in it. I want you to understand that a simple act of obedience to what God says for you to do sets the stage for the miraculous, regardless of what your gifting is. And it's time that you stir up that gift that is within you. It's time that you return to the first love and it's time that you have that passion for Christ that you once did and that you proclaim it, that you allow it to be seen, that you become diligent and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and sensitive to when God sets up that divine appointment that you won't hesitate to speak or to act or to do, but you'll be obedient to that moment for such a time as that. But he asked Moses, what is that in your hand? A rod. Verse 17, we didn't read that far, but verse 17 says that with that rod, people would see signs. That's the same rod that he's going to stand before Pharaoh, throw it on the ground, it's going to turn into a serpent. That's the same rod he's going to stand at the Red Sea and lift up and the waters will part and the children of Israel will pass across. That's the same rod that he used to take them from slavery to the promised land. But it was just a rod in Moses' eyes. There, the Bible is full of incidences and, and, and examples that we can give of small, insignificant things like uh, Shamgar. What's that in your hand, Shamgar? Oh, it's just an ox gourd. Something that's a stick that you just use to poke the lazy oxen along to make them do their tasks. But he took that stick, and in Judges 3, chapter, thir- uh, chapter 3, verse 31, he used it to kill 600 Philistines and to deliver Israel. What's that in your hand, David? Oh, it's just a slingshot and a stone but it's going to take down the undefeated Philistine champion. What's that in your hand, young lad? Oh, it's just five loaves and two fishes, but it'll be multiplied by God to feed thousands to do the miraculous. What is that in your hand, poor widow woman? Oh, it's only two mites, but yet the Lord says she's given more than you all. She's not given from her substance. She's given from the essence and the abundance of what she had. It wasn't the amount that was significant to giving more than others. It was the heart. It was the passion. It was the wanting to serve, wanting to give. What's that in your hand, Mary? Oh, it's just a box of ointment that I'm going to anoint the Lord's feet with. What's that in your hand, Dorcas? Oh, it's just some needle and thread that I'm going to sew for the kingdom. I ask you tonight, what is that? It's in your hands. Again, use it for the glory of God. Now, Moses' response when he said, oh, it's just a rod. Watch what happens. The Lord said, throw it down. Representative, of taking our giftings, whatever they may be, and laying them at the Lord's feet. And God will cause the miraculous to happen in those giftings. Now we saw how 
his rod became a serpent and it said that Moses ran. He did exactly what you and I would have done. He would have ran. Skeeter had still been running. But then the Lord said, pick it up. Face your fears. It's time some of you face some of your fears. And he took it by the tail and it became a rod again. But only remember, from that moment on, it's no longer an ordinary rod. When you lay your gifting in your life before God, it will no longer be just an ordinary gift, just an ordinary life, doing ordinary mundane things. Your gift, your life will be transformed by the power of God where the anointing can come upon you and come in, indwell in you so that it can come out of you to do exploits. Did you know God's word says, and the people that do know their God shall do exploits. Now, we tend to think of that in building great big buildings or ministries or businesses or whatever, and it certainly can include that. But it's also the little things. You've read before and heard it, I'm sure, where it says, if you so much as give a drink of cool water in my name, you have a prophet's reward. You see, doing exploits for God is simply obeying what he says to do. He's got a plan, and it will always be successful. It will never fail in any way, shape, form, or fashion so long as we are in obedience to what he says. Next we see in verses 6 and 7 where he told him, he says, take it in, put it in your bosom. So he stuck it in his bosom. He said, take it out. And it was leprous. Leprous synonymous with sin. And he was showing Moses how in Old Testament forms, and we talked about it in the New Testament like this, it was representative of sin. Man is born with sinful nature and sinful tendencies. We're conceived in sin. We're born in sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, we don't have to teach our kids to lie. Who broke mama's vase? He did. Marvin did it. We don't have to teach them to do wrong. It comes natural. That's why the natural man must be crucified so that the supernatural can come in us, upon us, dwell in us, live out of us, so that if we walk in the spirit, we don't fulfill the flesh, we don't yield to those sinful tendencies, those sinful ways, but there's a certainty. The word says that if we don't walk in the spirit, we will fulfill the flesh. We will do the sin. We will do the wrong thing. So it's important, it's imperative that we recognize that the fleshly man that we are has to be crucified. He told him, put your hand back in your bosom. He did, took it out. What happened? It's clean. God was showing, I have the power to heal and I have the power to cleanse. I have the power to forgive sin. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you've been, where iniquity abounds, the grace of God doth much more abound. You've not been too bad. Just quit running. Quit making excuses. Quit believing the lie of the devil and recognize and embrace 
the magnitude of God's love and forgiveness and receive what he's done at Calvary. Quit carrying around that ball and chain of sins and failures from years past that you have asked God over and over and over to forgive you for, but yet you still carry it because you don't forgive yourself. I'm gonna share something with you that I've shared before. If you've heard it, just bear with me, but somebody here needs to hear this. I want you to know that after I was saved and preaching, for 15 years, I carried some things from my past that I was so ashamed of that I allowed the devil to, to whoop on me pretty good for about 15 years. One day, I was driving down the road in my truck. Seemed like God always speaks to me in my truck or on the toilet or at the barn. <laughs> but I was in my truck, and I just felt... The Lord speak. Oh, you think you're greater than I am. Well, I know his voice. I said, no, Lord, I don't think I'm greater than you. You must. Because you're holding yourself guilty for things that I forgave you four years ago. Who are you that your judgment supersedes what Christ says? He said if we come and repent and ask forgiveness and give our sins to him, he cleanses all of them, not some of them. Though our sins are as scarlet, he'll wash them, they'll be white as snow. Therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Quit condemning yourself. Quit beating yourself up. Quit carrying that fault of the past around with you and embrace the forgiveness of God, and forgive yourself. We all need three forgivenesses. We need God's forgiveness, we need man's forgiveness, and we need self-forgiveness, and that's the hardest one to do. It's time some of you tonight quit placing yourself up on God's level and holding judgment for yourself, holding court and judgment in yourself, of yourself, and release that guilt and receive and embrace the total forgiveness of God that you've been asking for. Then we see in verse 12, where God told him, he said, look, don't, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. See, Moses is giving him all these kind of excuses. I'm slow of speech. I st st stutter. I can't talk. I, you got the wrong guy, just like we'll all do. God don't make mistakes. He chose Moses. He knew all about him. He knew about all of his deficiencies. He knew about all of his education that he'd received as a young person in, in Pharaoh's palace. He knew, all, he knew his story. And he said, I want you to lead my people out. And he says, don't worry about what you're going to say, what you're going to do, how you're going to handle this. I got this covered. In the New Testament way, he speaks, speaks to us like this to the child of God. Take no thought what you shall say. For in the very hour that you have need, the Holy Spirit will quicken unto you the words that you're to speak. 
That's why it's absolutely imperative and I can never tell you enough that you have to hide the word of God in your heart so that you don't sin against him. You have to eat daily bread, manna life from his word so that it's in your heart so when the Holy Spirit quickens it to you, you can speak it. If you don't have it in your heart, you can't speak it because you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you've got to have an abundant supply of the word of God in your heart, not just in your head. It's got to be in your heart so when adversity arises in the Red Sea, there you can speak and watch God work I'm telling you if you're ever going to be mature if you're ever going to have any strength if you're ever going to be a mountain mover not a mountain climber but a mountain mover if you're going to ever get to a place to speak to a mountain and it be removed if you're ever going to get to a place that you really know how to bind the strong man and take dominion and authority over the devil and all of his little helpers. If you're ever going to get to that place, you better be eating some supernatural protein, and this is called the Word of God. You better eat some stuff that'll make you grow into the spiritual man. It ain't stuff that you buy at the GNC health store. This is something that you only get with time, with God, the Holy Spirit illuminating His Word, making it come alive in your spirit, making you grow because faith comes by hearing what? The Word. If you're ever going to be a person of faith, you've got to absolutely got to have the Word, and don't worry about what's down the road. God's got this. He's got this. And then lastly, in verse 9, we see where he's got the power to turn a blessing into a curse. See, he told him to take the water out of the river. Now, how many of you know in desert country, water's pretty valuable? That river's pretty important. That water's pretty important. And he told him, take that water out of the river, pour it on dry land. And it turned to blood. This is the only sign the Lord did that he didn't reverse. And what he's saying to us here is simply this. Where there's no repentance, your blessings can become a curse. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And that's where usually where people quit quoting that verse. But it goes on to say, even as your soul, soul prospers. What he's trying to say is simply this. I want to bless you beyond your capacity to receive it, but I can't bless you to the point that your blessing becomes a curse or a ball and chain around your neck. So it's important that your spirit man grows so I can keep pouring the blessings on you. I don't want them to become a detriment to you so your spirit man has got to grow so you can handle more blessing. Blessing's not just a thick wallet. Blessing are things that money can't buy. Peace, healing, wisdom, direction, reconciliation, restoration. Parting the, he still parts waters. He still provides. He still multiplies. Anything we ever see in the word that he's ever done, he can and will still do. That's his word. He said, I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing that limits me is you. He couldn't do any great miracle in his own hometown. Why? 
because of their unbelief, because of their lack of expectation, because of their ho-humness, because of their apathy, because of their lukewarmness. Oh, that's just Joseph and Mary's son. Listen, don't limit God by being lackadaisical or lukewarm or I'm going to even tell you one worse than that and then I'm going to shut up before you throw rocks. Don't limit him by being religious and self-righteous. Don't think more of yourself than you're supposed to. I want you to understand something. In spite of a lot of the modern day preachers teaching that's going around now, you're not a little God. You're a sinner saved by grace. And if God don't show up and show out, guess what? Nothing happens. Now, you're a mediator. If you're hearing from God and walking in obedience and speaking when he says speak and shutting up when he says be quiet, then you'll see God do great things. But I want to encourage you tonight. Finish strong. Stir up the gift that's within you. Begin to use it. Receive the forgiveness of God. Be in right relationship with him. Recognize the fact that it's not dependent upon your abilities, what you have or don't have. What it's dependent upon is a, is a, a heart that desires to see God move in their life. It's, it, what it depends on is an obedience to what the Spirit of God would speak. And with that, I'm going to close. Would you bow your head? If you're in this place tonight and you say, Dennis, I've... I'm going to just confess right up front. I hadn't been using the gift that God has given me. Can I see your hand? I ain't going to beat you up with it, but if that's you, just raise your hand. Get it up all across this place. Yes, yes, yes. Now put it down. Now you're in this place and you say, I want to make a commitment to God. I want to make a commitment to myself that I'll use this gift with God's help if he'll just open the doors. Could I see your hands? Get it up. Put it down. Maybe you're in this place tonight and you'd say, Dennis, that handful of leprosy and sin, that's me. And I need the Lord to forgive me. I need to receive the work of Calvary and I want to become a child of God if that's you could I see your hand just get it up yes sir yes ma'am yes ma'am yes sir yes ma'am anyone else in the balcony anywhere get it up yes sir thank you thank you sir this is your moment this is your time I'll ask one more time and I'm going to move on you say Dennis that's me I need to call on the Lord tonight I need to receive his forgiveness anyone else very quickly before I move Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Look up here at me, please. My mom, who's 99, she'll be 100 this December. I heard her say this saying so many times that it used to make me mad until I fully understood what she was saying. Listen very carefully. He said, she, she would say, son, just put all of your bags in one basket. 
God doesn't tell us to beg. He says to ask. And I encourage you tonight that raised your hand with these sins and you're wanting God's forgiveness. Just ask him. He said if we just ask and believe, we would receive. Believe that he's God's son that came and died in your place and in my place to give us a gift that we can't be good enough for or purchase that he died that death but he didn't stay dead he arose Easter Sunday morning resurrection Sunday walked out of a grave alive and he's alive forevermore we believe that in our heart and confess our sins with our mouth we're forgiven we become a child of God so would you bow your heads and understand the fact that my prayers can't save you you must ask you must believe and then only you can receive so let's pray say Lord Jesus I'm such a sinner but you're such a great Savior I ask you tonight to forgive me of my sins to cleanse me with your blood to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord change me in the way I think in the way that I act the way that I talk change me so that I'm pleasing to you now Lord I receive your gift of life in Jesus name now Lord I pray for these that have lifted their hands across this place today that said they've been negligent to use their gifts but yet they've raised their hand a moment later and said they want to use them I pray God that you would seal this commitment by the power of your spirit and that they would recognize and embrace the opportunities that you set before them to use that gift to bring the kingdom of God glory and honor and Lord for those that have not yet understood what their gifting is let them understand that what they're passionate about and what they're good at that's what you've gifted them to do and that Lord they'll begin to use that passion and gift to glorify you in all that they say or do. Lord, I thank you for your love and your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that you meet every need that's gathered in this place tonight. You know what's walked in here. You know what's going to walk out. I don't. But I know this much. You care about every need that we have. And help us to learn to run to you, not from you. Help us to learn to call upon you so that we can see great and mighty things. And Lord, just pricked me in my spirit. And when I shared my story about how I, I was having a real hard time forgiving myself, I believe there's some people here that you're struggling with that. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. If, if you're having a hard time forgiving yourself or some things, could I see your hand? I want to just pray for you. Yes, many hands going up all across this place. Put them down. Lord, help these people that have just raised their hand, that know you as their Savior and have asked you for the forgiveness of those things. Help them, Lord, tonight to recognize that that condemnation is not coming from you.
For you, O Lord, are a shield to me. You're the glory and the lifter of our heads. Lord, help them to look, lift their heads and to look unto the hills from which cometh their help, to look to you, the author and the finisher of their faith. Lord, help them to begin to focus upon you and the things of the past will grow strangely dim. Lord, that they'll leave them behind and they'll not just drag them along anymore. Help them to let it go. Lord, we expose the lie of the devil. We take authority and dominion over the strong man. And Lord, we ask you by the power of the name of Jesus that that be broken tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen.